0: Association. Nerd. Association. Nerd. Association. Nerd. Association.
1: That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the studios of WBNS FM in Columbus, Ohio. This is the Nerd
2: Association Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Barnett. And I'm your other host, Mark Finch. And today we are joined by a very special guest we uh we'll do our best to promote this because it's promotions brad maybe also known as sticker brad to those of you that listen to the fan he works in the promotions department at our radio station is what i'm trying to say so you get it he gets it we all get it so we're gonna have great promotion i hope for this one but brad (laughs) welcome to the show
0: thanks guys uh also mike calls me stupid brad (laughs) my- <laughs> I mean, I think we'll, we'll we'll
1: go with sticker, Brad, or promotions, Brad. Yeah. I think that's kinder.
0: <laughs> A little bit nicer. So, uh, guys, I want to ask you, what do you guys think when I say, I hope I can make it across the border. I hope I can see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it is in my dreams. I hope.
1: I mean, I just got – I legitimately just got chills because – that's uh, one of the great lines from the great film, The Shawshank Redemption. You know, yep. I think for a lot of people, it's just a perennial favorite film.
0: It's the number one movie on IMDb.
1: Yeah, there's not a whole lot wrong to say about it. Like, what bad can you say about it? Except some people like to pick on the the poster or whatever. But shut up to those people.
2: <laughs> it's not the number one movie on Rotten Tomatoes, which I believe is now Paddington 2.
0: think <laughs> oh. about that?
2: <laughs> There, somebody uncovered a negative review of Citizen Kane from however many years ago, added it to the list of Citizen Kane reviews, which dropped it from a 100% fresh to a 99 and Paddington 2 now takes over as the number one movie of all time. But yeah, I think Shawshank Redemption would be a, a pretty good contender for Paddington too. When I was telling people, I was like, "Oh, we're uh, doing our podcast today. We're going to have Brad on. We're talking about Shawshank Redemption." And they're like, "Oh, yeah." And I was like, "Yeah, there's not like I mean there's a lot to say, but there's not much more to say on this part than just it's a good movie. It just is." It, it's really entertaining. It moves, it moves at a good pace, even though it's a little longer and the, the narration is used throughout. So you can really get that like feel that it comes from the source material of a book and it's just entertaining.
0: Yeah. So I remember I first saw this movie in 2015, so I was actually a little late to seeing it. And I remember, Just when it ended, I was just so blown away by it, and it instantly became one of my favorite movies. It's got, like, the most satisfying ending of any movie you can find. Um, It just really puts a smile on your face. It gives you hope, and it also makes you think of, like, a a really good friendship.
1: It's also one of those movies that, and I don't know when this started, but, you know, with, with cable television and they start, they play certain things over and over again, right? And I feel like this Shawshank Redemption was the first movie that I noticed that it was on a few times a week and was like almost every time I'd be like, well, if there's nothing else on, I'll just put Shawshank on. And for me, it's one of those movies that if I if I'm just kind of like clicking through the channels and Shawshank is on, I'm probably going to watch it, which is there's not a ton of movies I can say that about that. I would just like I don't necessarily have to think about going and looking for it but it sort of finds me i
2: -hmm. think everyone has a movie like that and for me
1: it's shawshank
2: another one that i've experienced like that is castaway with tom hanks but it's funny you mentioned the the cable thing because that's where i first saw shawshank redemption i had heard of it i knew people thought it was a really good movie and i watched it on cable and it's still satisfying because it's not like it needs all of the stuff that, that brings it up to the r rating but there's a certain oomph it adds when you really get that in the down and dirtiness of the of the prison and how they really make it and that's actually my notes here really the only thing I wrote was prison looks like it sucks yeah and that's what I took away from this movie prison does not look like a fun time but it's also weird because the way the lines are delivered and the way it, it, it I don't know if it's the way it's filmed or the way it's kind of like stat I don't even know what it is but there's something funny too that like from non-funny scenes they're not meant to be funny but they make you laugh a little bit maybe it's being uncomfortable or something like that but i found myself even chuckling a few times in this movie not for jokes though yeah
0: yeah one thing i was going to add was when you guys were talking about it being on cable it it did not do very well when it uh came out in theaters It, it actually bombed and it's it's become so much more popular since it came out and um a big reason for that is because of cable yeah it was on, yeah, what you say, two, three days a week, like TNT or whatever. Right. I, there was a
1: period, I want to say, because I was a teenager when I first saw it, and I, so I want to say it was like in the early 2000s or like mid-2000s where I feel like it was just on constantly. And at that time, I, you know, you didn't have streaming services. You didn't have – you could go to the video store and rent a video, but obviously you had to return it a couple of days later. And so it was one of those times where like – you, you know, you used to heaven forbid you used to record a movie off of television, but <laughs> I realized I didn't have to with Shawshank because <laughs> it was just on because it would just enough. Be on again. It's also cool too. you know we we are uh, we're recording from Columbus, Ohio, and while the movie is set in Maine and Stephen King wrote it to be in Maine, and in fact Wait, some Stephen of the... King wrote a book in Maine well, I know right? And of course, there are some there are some shots that were filmed in Maine for the, the movie, but a lot of it of principal photography was done here in Ohio about an hour north of Columbus. So much of it was filmed at the Mansfield Reformatory, which was a you know, former prison, is still there. You can go see it. It's like they have during Halloween, there's like a haunted prison thing. It's apparently like quite a haunted building if that's your cup of tea. But it's just this old, cool prison, right? So you have that ambiance. It's not it's not sets, which I think, you know, you're talking about how it really brings you into that prison experience. And, and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel put on because it's, it's really filmed in a prison. And uh, yeah. some of the scenes were filmed in locations around the town where I was born, Galleon, Ohio, uh, the one of the grocery stores there that was filmed there. And, and I was telling Brad before he came out, my uncle is an extra in the movie. I can point to him and say, like, that's my Uncle Ken in the film. So not only did it, was it a great movie and it's on, you know, frequently and you can sit down and watch and it's kind of like comforting in that way. It's how I, I, there's a lot of personal connections for me. I know Brad has some personal connections to the film.
0: Yeah. Um, Clancy Brown, uh, who is uh, Hadley, the uh, main prison guard. He's from Urbana. Um, I've, I've met Clancy once and uh, you know, I've talked to him before about this movie. I know, he really enjoyed his time that he, he uh, stayed in Loudonville, Ohio, really close, um, stayed in a cabin. I know the filming of this movie, they had really long days. Um, the guy who directed the movie, it was kind of a, uh, a new project for him. And I know a lot of the actors are actually really frustrated with him. Uh, so like a, a, a scene, for example, is when uh, Morgan Freeman is throwing the baseball in the yard talking to Andy they shot that scene so many times that the next day, Morgan Freeman showed up in a sling. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think is just a pretty entertaining tidbit about the movie. It wasn't like, you know, the cast was just gelling during this movie or anything like that. It was just something that it kind of got through. And in retrospect, it turned out to be something incredible.
2: Maybe the director, Frank Darabont, uh, he actually, he's done a lot of things over the years and he has like mainstays that are in his movie. Like, I knew it was, I I had forgotten he was the director, but the first scene, when you see that lawyer, the, the one who's questioning Dufresne when he's on the stand, I was like, that's a Frank Darabont guy. He was in the walking dead. He was in the mist, things like that. So Mm -hmm. he's also that's, you know, he's gone back to Stephen King stuff, but he's uh, I would say like a relatively famous director, but not the biggest name. And I, I wonder too if there was part of a motivation to like make the guys feel, you know down like uh, we're, we're gonna film this scene a bunch of times so that they look exhausted and tired and just tired of being here not just on set but in prison in the movie the little you know little tricks directors do that aren't really above board but they still do them sometimes there's like the famous stories of like stanley kubrick did to Shelley duvall on the the shining another stephen king stephen king movies are they've been making stephen king movies for 50 years i mean he
1: keeps writing good stuff (laughs) what do you want to say right yeah no and it's interesting you're talking about frank darabont and how much he like came back to stephen king projects too which you know is always uh, he he just was a apparently a big fan of of king and his work and there were other there were other things of kings he wanted to direct and they were like yeah maybe do shawshank first because they didn't again you know brad you alluded to this they didn't really think it was gonna be that big of a movie because it was based on this short story, it wasn't as familiar as some of the books and things that you know that that of King's that were much more famous. And in fact, in all the promotions for the Shawshank Redemption, they explicitly kept King's name off of it because they didn't want people to think it was a horror film. Because of course, so much of his stuff, yeah. And there was so much controversy about the you know the miniseries It that had just been out a couple years earlier, and there was you know some whatever you want to call satanic panic pushback against Stephen King in that period. And so uh, they really strongly wanted to keep his name away from this project because they were afraid of what it would do for marketing purposes. But
2: now, of course, they, they... I mean, it's a blink and you miss it like little title in the, in the opening credits. Like if you didn't know it was Stephen King, yeah, you'd probably make it through the whole movie and, and not figure it out.
1: Looking at some of this behind the scenes stuff, I know you had some interesting facts about like, what could have been with this movie?
0: Yeah, so for the, for the role of Andy, um, I know Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise are both considered. I actually believe Tom Cruise actually did some table reads for it. I'm not sure the reason he pulled out, but just just think about how much different of a movie it would have been if Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise, who <laughs> are both phenomenal actors, but it just I think it's a much different movie,
2: especially with Tom Cruise. That yeah, that yeah. really makes you think.
0: Well, and think
1: about you know yeah. Tom, Tom Hanks didn't do it because he was he was filming Forrest Gump so, which obviously was a good move for Just him career wise was uh, <laughs> yeah but yeah that was a fair trade off when you think about and you had said too like Harrison Ford was considered for the role of Red that whole thing mm-hmm. that becomes a joke where Morgan Freeman says you know well why do they call you Red well maybe it's cuz I'm Irish I mean that was written straight in the <laughs> original mm-hmm. script or in the original story he is an irishman that's why they call him red and so it gets to become funny it's also interesting to think about like tim robbins in that role like tom cruise is what five four five five he's a short guy uh
0: yeah tim robbins is six six i think if i recall he's huge he's a pretty tall guy i i know i know the warden uh the guy who played the warden bob gutton yeah i think he's two and part of the reason why they wanted him is because they didn't want somebody who was so much shorter than Tim Robbins. Cause you know, he has to wear a suit at the end of the movie. Right. Um, so, you know, it wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. Had, uh, you know they picked a guy who was pretty short for the, the warden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well,
1: and Tim Robbins, not just as a, you know, not just to show his character was feeling down and out, but like for filming purposes, had to hunch for almost the entire movie just because he was so much bigger than everybody else. Well, and so in addition to, I mean, we we you know we talked about the local connection with the actors involved, but and a little bit about the building, but you you know more about the reformatory, yes?
0: Yeah, actually, so I went up there and visited on November first, twenty twenty. It's funny that I know that day. I just remember it was the day after Halloween. Um, I've always wanted to go see it, and uh, man, it was really cool. So I was telling uh, Chas for the show. So the scenes where you know, the cast is in like the actual cell block Mm -hmm. that was in the prison at all. That was off site at like a warehouse. They built that set, but obviously the prison yard, the warden's office, um, the chapel where they like watch the movie, um, the shower scene, those are all actually filmed in the prison. Also the room, the halfway house where Brooks, um, hangs himself and red visits later on in the movie that's all actually inside the prison. You can go see that. Um, it's, it's really cool. They've got a little museum, honestly, for the movie there with all kinds was of props and you can sit at the wards and desk. Was that
2: room done up for the movie to like, look like a, like a little boarding room in a halfway house or was that something so that the prison actually used?
0: I'm pretty sure it was just done up for the movie. Um, cause it's also kind of just like in a weird spot in the, in the, uh, prison too.
2: Yeah. So they said, why build a set or rent another location? Right. We'll just make this look like a room. Yeah, for
1: sure. Well, I just, I mean, and, and of course, uh, at least in Ohio, the Shawshank Redemption really put that place on the map as far as, you know, people knew about it before, but then it's this almost like a mecca. And in fact, I think two years ago, not last year because of the pandemic, they did like a 25 year anniversary celebration and Bob Gunton and Clancy Brown and like some of those folks came to like celebrate it at, at the reformatory.
2: Celebration at the prison. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> well, when you filmed a oh, the movie no. there, yeah. It, it it seems like a really cool building and just like you get it from the prison yard scenes and some of like the bus coming in scenes, just like the scope and size of it. It's gotta be a formidable fortress when you come upon it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, I could not believe how big it was. Um, you know, it, it probably took me, maybe two hours to walk through the whole thing. And I was kind of walking pretty fast um, through some stuff, but the cell blocks is insane. I, I can't remember how many floors it is, but it's pretty tall. Um, it's really spooky. I'm not not really a believer in ghosts or any paranormal activity, but it is it is pretty spooky. I mean, the wind was kind of howling through there. Uh, I know people who are also kind of on the tour, they were freaking out about it. Yeah, definitely worth checking out
2: so getting on about the movie i mean like i said it's i don't really have any like solid nitpicks but there's just things about the movie that uh i i really enjoy watching it for this is probably the third time i've seen it definitely at least the second time but like i said the the narration which is sometimes annoying and seems like a crutch for a movie this one it really works well and i think it's because it's just page to screen how it goes, like I said, it just, that really helps. I mean, obviously it helps move the story along, but it really helps you paint a picture of what this was, you know, what this was like and what it's trying to depict. Well, and Frank Darabont
1: um, was a big fan of Scorsese and watched Goodfellas every weekend while he was filming it. And of course, Goodfellas employs a lot of that sort of voiceover to not to, which, but still like doesn't do the, too much of the, uh, tell don't show that we always hate, you know, um, it's right. just like a good addition. And so when you're going to get your inspiration for a voiceover from maybe one, you know, one of the finest films ever to employ that device. Um, I think there's a reason that it, it worked out as well as it did. And part of, you know, he loved Goodfellas so much and knew he was going to use it as an inspiration for this movie. It's one of the reasons that Morgan Freeman got the part of red because he knew the voiceover was going to be so integral to, to the film. And so all these other actors that were considered just couldn't, couldn't make the cut when it came to that sort of a, you know, that voice.
2: I mean, Morgan Freeman. Could you imagine Harrison Ford? Yeah. Why why do I got to say that? I hope I see him.
0: Why do I got to say, I hope I get to the ocean. The movie's (laughs) over.
2: They can see it on the screen.
0: So did you know that he actually recorded those lines before they filmed?
1: I didn't. I mean I'm not surprised yeah. cuz it's free, you know, Morgan yeah. Freeman and he can just do it. He can just turn it on.
0: That's kind of what yeah. set him forward with all the narrating. You know, I think that was like his first time really doing anything like that.
2: Right. And then now yeah, he's like the go-to guy whenever you think like big voice narrator, man.
1: I'm I'm looking at a little bit of trivia about Shawshank. There's this cuz I was curious Harrison Ford, but there had to be other people. Clint Eastwood, Paul Newman, Gene Hackman, Robert Redford and Robert Duvall were all considered. And when I mean, certainly those are all a list of fine actors that could have done it. But I mean, you can't get better than Morgan Freeman for a part like that, especially I think I, you, you try to imagine. I can't imagine like Paul Newman, who was always so suave and so like, you know, cool in his movies for it for him to say something like. I, I don't even want to imagine Andy crawling through fifty yards of shit smelling <laughs> awfulness. You know what I mean? Like, there's a certain yeah. you have to approach that line yeah. a certain way with a certain sort of I don't know, it's its own sort of feeling or or character.
2: That it's sort of like a wry smile, but with the tone of your voice. Yeah, and it's hard to you know explain that exactly how you hear it, but you do. You just yeah, you hear it. It was Robert Redford in that list. That seems like a guy who yeah. could maybe pull this off. With. He might have been a little old for the beginning of the movie at sure. the time.
1: Well, and he was he was um in the in the novel Red is is an Irishman with graying red hair. So it's possible that Robert Redford would have been a shoe-in for that portion of it for the looking like yeah. the book character. But mm-hmm. I mean, again, can you you can't it's hard to imagine that movie with any other combination um and I don't I don't think that was Tim Robbins' first bit film like big film. I think certainly he had had other stuff before
2: that but I mean I think that put him on the map in a big way and he's probably I don't think he's ever reached that height since then he's still like a famous actor but like you think of Tim Robbins and you think of Shawshank Redemption pretty much exclusively yeah
1: I mean the only other thing that I think of him in is Jacob's Ladder like right off the top of my head which by the way if you haven't seen that movie before this so again I don't think it was his first I don't think it was his first but it certainly maybe you know was his biggest
0: yeah definitely his biggest role he's also um He's also an anchorman.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> he's
0: the public. He's the public news anchor.
1: That which makes perfect sense. People always assume You're that right, I am a big, is. a big lover of, uh, a big lover of Anchorman. But of course, Chops knows that I, uh, I do not care for that film for one particular reason. Oh. <laughs> Daniel doesn't like Will Ferrell. Daniel doesn't like funny. Wow, fact. Wow. Anyway, that's neither here nor there, huh? Mm-hmm.
0: Did you guys know that uh Morgan Freeman's son is also in Shawshank?
1: Uh-huh. He plays the younger version of him. Uh, he does the younger version of him for like the photos, but he's also the one yelling fresh fish. Right. Which that's one of those things that once you know, you can't oh, really? you can't unsee the resemblance. Yeah. But it is just funny. And yeah, and his his photos are the mugshots that they use for young Red in his
2: like parole scenes. That I do like that part when near the beginning when he comes out after his first parole scene. And the one guy is like, Oh, I get rejected next week. Yeah. (laughs) Like they're just, they're just all so depressed uh, about their situation. And I like the way, like they, I guess like, you know, Andy Dufresne kind of keeps his, his hopes up, but that's, you know, because he had a plan. He he had an idea for how he was going to, how he was going to tunnel out. So maybe that helped him keep his hopes up. I think red is the the more realistic choice of just saying like, we're just in here and just, accept it and that's kind of how you feel if you're serving a life sentence i don't know yeah
0: i also really enjoy the line where um andy's talking about you know how he's going to be on a beach in mexico and red's like andy you gotta stop that that's nothing but a shitty pipe dream yeah which is a (laughs) great nod to him crawling through a shitty pipe
1: yeah this movie has so many clever nods to it One of the things there's like there's a reading of the Shawshank Redemption as through like the lens of Christian mysticism, where Andy is sort of a a messianic figure. And one of my favorite parallels when you look, I mean, obviously you could you can find those things in a lot of places. But the miracle of turning tar into beer on the rooftop scene because he gets (laughs) beers for him and his 12 friends, um, I think is just so perfect and so wonderful when you want to do that reading. Well, and Z- Zewataneo is like, uh, I mean, it's perfect as heaven or paradise, right? Like he's talking about this this dream of going to this this idyllic beach and, you know, building a boat and using it as, you know, for pleasure cruises and things. And I mean, that's obviously you mentioned where he talks about it being a shitty pipe dream, but also when you look at it through that lens, I think it's just, mm-hmm. it's really perfect.
0: Sel- and, salvation lies within.
1: Exactly. Another- I think uh, there's just so much... Well, with the, yeah, with the rock hammer. This movie is just so clever, but you know when a movie tri- or a television show tries too hard uh, to be clever and it just kind of misses the mark? Yeah. Everything about this movie is just like, it's subtle and it's beautiful for how subtle it is. There's nothing about this movie that is just like in your face. The things yeah. that are shocking about this movie are are so well earned. You have Brooks's suicide, which is shocking, but it, it is so it's well earned in the, you know, in the context of what they've set up before.
2: I think that's almost like what I was trying to get at a little bit earlier with like how there's scenes where like you just can't help but like chuckle. And maybe it's just you like feeling that that feeling of I got to hand it to him. That was good. There's yeah. just moments in this movie where they yeah, they just set everything up right. And the, the whole time you're, you're just like, wow. That, that was exactly where this needed to go. And they, they seem to hit the mark every single time. Uh, I don't really, like, just don't have a nitpick for it as far as those little things go. Well, and even that I normally have for movies.
1: Yeah. There's even like graphic rape scenes in these movies. Well, not graphic. That's, I guess, the point. But the impl- the implication yeah. of what's going on is so horrifying. And yet they turn it into these sort of – I don't know. The timing of everything in this movie is so perfect. They show you just what you need to see and nothing more and nothing less. Um, and I think that's a good example of – and, you know, you talk about having the moments where you chuckle, where you kind of feel like you shouldn't be, when Andy tells them about the bite reflex. You know, if somebody with a brain injury bites down and it takes a crowbar <laughs> to open their jaws up and yeah, looks on right. those, guys, those guys' faces, when – and as far you know, Andy could be making that stuff up. He's not, but he could be. But those guys are horrified because this guy's the brainy guy. And if he says it, even though we don't respect him yeah. as a person, in or he, we don't respect his personhood in a lot of ways, like they know this guy's brains aren't the thing you mess with.
2: Right. It's, it's weird because, yeah, the movie is so bleak and dour. And I guess, you know, a little uplifting there at the end with how they, you know, the comeuppance of, the people working at the prison and the escape of Andy Dufresne and all that stuff. But for the most part it's a, it should be a depressing movie, but it's fun to watch. There's yeah. a lot of movies that are still good, but you just like I can't sit down and watch that right now. And Shawshank Redemption even though it has all those things in it that should make it not fun to watch, it's so well crafted that you have a good time even with the the scenes of horror.
0: Yeah. Do you guys have a scene in the movie?
2: I think my favorite thing, and I, it's, I guess it's sort of a like a montage of it, but when like they finally let him become like the accountant, and there he does like the one guy's taxes after he uh, helps the uh, the the main guard with his with you know getting his money from his brother, which what like a the, that guy's the the stupid guy in your office. He's like, I don't want to win the Mega Millions because if I win hundred million, I'm only gonna get fifty million. He's complaining about all the taxes, but then Andy helps him with that. Then he does the other guards taxes. And then they go through all that stuff where it's like, and the next year guards from the other prison remembered to bring their W2s for the start of the intramural baseball season. And that I just, I think that's hilarious that like all of a sudden he's just doing everybody's taxes.
1: I mean, I, I have to tell you the scene where, where Gunton gets his comeuppance is just so perfect where and and because it's set up with this idea that like Andy has killed himself overnight and you don't know what happened mm-hmm. but the ah. the the fact that you know chops you're talking about that this movie has such lows it has such low lows and that's one of them where you as the audience member are convinced something terrible has happened and
2: then they show yeah. you all the clever little well, especially things especially after you did. they they give you that they give you that glimmer of hope when the young guy comes in there and he's like, Oh, actually this guy just spouted off. I'm pretty sure this is the guy who killed your, your wife and her lover. And then they just yank it away. One, they yank it away from Andy is like non-starter with the warden. And then he goes a step further, sets up the the fake escape and you know, has him shot dead in the yard.
0: Back to what you were saying, Daniel, when, um, so the part where the warden opens up the shoe box to see Andy's prison shoes. yeah. And then, as soon as he opens it up, the uh, the alarm starts going off. Yep. Not the alarm, but the horn or whatever. Yeah. And that's just like such that I think sends just chills it is just the warden knows immediately like something's not right. Well, and,
2: and <laughs> yeah, the boot
1: drops, you know. <laughs> yeah, the other shoe falls, literally. Um, I, I think the thing too, you were talking about that scene with the kid, Chops. The warden had been a, a character that you hated. But, but I don't think you would have
2: wanted him to get that really vilifies him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How crooked he was. Yeah. He's not, he's some like, he's like, okay, he's a a hard nosed warden, but we've seen that character before. And that's pretty much what you expect from a warden. Okay. He's, he's a crook, but I mean, he's just taking bribes from businessmen so that they can keep going. Not good, but it's not like, worst thing you've ever seen and then he does something like that yeah and you're like man this guy is just ruthless and the worst and i hate him and i hope he gets his comeuppance
1: well and one of the best lines in that movie is from him and it's right near the beginning where he says put your trust in the lord your ass belongs to me and i just think i mean that's such a perfect like you know mission statement for that warden the, he really does believe that. You think it's like, oh, you said he's like the hard-nosed warden. We've seen that character before. But at the extent to which he really does believe that, to the point where he's willing to kill an inmate to keep what? his his scheme going, he really does yeah. think they're his property at that point.
2: Yeah. Based on you know, his, I, that, that speech there, too, he, he's saying the thing where he doesn't like you will not take the Lord's name in vain. in in my prison and yep. later on, just like, you know, in that first night scene, the, the guard comes in, he's like, Christ, what's going on. And you hear an uh, an
0: inmate go, Hey, you said
2: the Lord's name in vain. I'm going to tell the warden. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That is funny. You know, at the, at the beginning of the movie, you know, he is the hard nose, the hard nosed warden, but he, he seems like, you know, a guy that some of the inmates can look up to and just the whole movie, he just becomes even more, sick and vile you know when he goes and visits andy in the um
1: solitary
0: yeah yeah yeah. and And you're right that was right after
2: they kind of humanized him more where he was he was nice to andy after the tax stuff and he was like i'll even let you mail those letters to ask for books i don't think it's going to work but you can go ahead and do that every week It's, it's fine yeah but then when they get the books all the guards are like don't
0: let the warden see this Right. Well. So. Yeah. He goes from that to you know we're gonna burn the books in the yard and you know right. yeah he, he's just cruel to Andy and I you know I think he thinks he's made Andy lose all hope. Excuse me, Warden. Collective
2: punishment is against the Geneva Conventions. There's another violation if you were to burn <laughs> the books.
1: Yeah. I. I mean it's. Uh. They do a good job and they do a good job of doing it. Again, subtly. They don't make him that. That sort of. A horrible figure at first. You get to see the progression of him becoming more and more crooked to the point where he's willing to kill and that he's only willing to give Andy human treatment because he's complicit in can his can get something schemes, from him. Precisely. Yeah. Um, yeah, is there is there a moment more crushing than when than Andy gets put back into solitary for, what is it, two months the second time around? I mean... I think it's...
2: It's, 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 it's one month hour. and then another month on top of it, I think. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, when he's like... Are, are, are you obtuse? And then that's when the warden like completely changes on him. Yeah. At that moment, the warden's like, okay, we're not, I'm not playing ball with you anymore. Right. This is how it is. I'm the warden. You're the prisoner.
1: It's, it's just, it's so pitch perfect. There's nothing about, again, there's not, what, what do you pick on in that movie? Even the, even the movie's most over the top scene where he comes out, he comes out, uh, you know, clean on the other side. And stands in the rain and gets rained on. I want to say Tim Robbins got like walking pneumonia from that scene. But anyway, like again, how perfect even that scene, they've earned it. They've built up to it. They've earned it. And it's this perfect juxtaposition between the sewage pipe, like the underground sewage pipe that he crawled through and then like the purest, cleanest rainfall on the other side. Like everything they do has this sort of yin and yang going off,
2: you know, going on with it. You know, another thing I think that's interesting is like they're talking about uh, Brooks and how he's institutionalized and he really doesn't want to get out. And the, the bird does fly away when he lets it go. But it makes you kind of think that like he and Brooks are the same, that they have basically spent their entire lives in this prison. They don't know what else to do because he says when he's feeding Jake the bird as a, as a baby bird in his pocket, he's like, oh, I'm going to wait for him to fly and then release him but he doesn't get released. He just hangs out at the prison because that's all he knows and he doesn't know what else is out there for him Yeah, from the bird sense. And I think that's a good way of illustrating that. It's certainly, yeah, it's a perfect metaphor for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that whole movie does a great job of raising awareness of being institutionalized. You know, guys back then, I'm sure it's like that now. They're not really being rehabilitated.
2: Yeah, well, and prison reform is a big thing that people talk about
0: today. yeah. (laughs) And I think this movie does a great job of like illustrating like what that actually looks like. And, and, red, you know, red honestly thinks about committing a crime, but he's got, you know, Andy waiting for him down in Mexico. And if not for Andy, who knows what red would have done.
2: Well, he yeah. was the only guilty man in Shawshank. So. It's true.
1: And it took him, it took him finally saying he just didn't give a damn for them to let him go. And that's another, that's another, you know, condemnation on the justice system that like, when you're, when you're finally willing, they'll, they're going to keep you locked up as long as you are contrary or as long as you don't do what they want you to do. But when you're finally willing to say like, yeah, I did it. And I don't, you know, keep me in here. I don't give it. I don't care. Then they'll be like, all right, we'll let you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just so perverse.
0: Any other uh, nitpicks? So, Chops, you said you really didn't have any, but I'm sure there's there's got to be, like, a scene or something that...
2: I don't feel that the hole he breaks in the pipe is big enough to get his body <laughs> through. Yes. Well, I also feel like... The hole he makes in the wall is just big enough. I can see that. But the hole he makes in the, in the pipe, I, mean, I don't see how he got into that. Also, how did he survive being in the pipe? He had enough space to get his head above the water. I guess. I don't think those clothes are going to be very clean, but he just had that that bag tied up a little bit. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to keep
0: all that water out. A lot of faith in a 1960s plastic bag. Right. Well,
1: and he ha- he did have his bar of soap. Don't forget that part.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He cleaned himself off. Right. <laughs> because, yeah, just a normal bar of soap, one wash in the rain. Take care of all that shit water. I mean, I hate to I hate to tell you guys this. You do know you don't die instantly from
1: sewage, right?
2: Like it's usually just, it's
1: usually the infections and the diseases you get from being immersed in sewage well, I and don't, then not I don't cleaning
2: mean it. I don't mean it like that. I just mean if you crawled through that kind of water, you walk into the bank the next day, you don't smell like yeah. the the rich guy that they think they're talking to. Well, that's true. Well, so he
0: he crawled through 500 yards though. So I'm thinking he's in there with a lot of fumes. I'm thinking he passes out. Also, he- I mean, they did show him bursting a
1: hole in the pipe to let the you know the excess and the fumes out.
2: He says yeah. almost half a mile, but that's also a lie. Five, 500 yards is 1,500
1: feet, yeah. which
2: isn't even a third of a mile.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, we're talking in round
2: figures here, guys. No. No, <laughs> we're not. We're talking about math.
1: <laughs> Fine. I found something to pick on.
2: <laughs> if you okay yeah i guess i was wrong if you ask me i'm gonna find <laughs> nitpicks but they're all they're all minor things and yeah. these are things that, like when you're watching a, a movie that is this enthralling and that you're this into you don't really care about these little things it's bad movies that make you like go like well that's ridiculous it's like i don't really care because this movie's that good
1: alfred hitchcock talked about um and talked about icebox moments which he referred to like There are things that when you're making a movie aren't going to make sense. But if you if you're successful, people will be pulling. It'll be several hours later. People are pulling like chicken out of the fridge that they'll suddenly think, wait a minute, that didn't make a lot of sense. And he's like, if you've done, you know, as a filmmaker, you've done a good job. If that's when people realize that maybe something didn't quite line up. Yeah. Glowing reviews. I mean, not that anyone is surprised, by the way that we're all saying, hey, Shawshank, great movie, huh? And just like (laughs) 50 times over the course of this. Nerd Association
2: has a recommendation for you guys. This movie is called Shawshank Redemption. Wow, is it good.
1: Yeah, no spoiler-free review. So we normally, Brad, when we do one of these episodes where we talk about an old movie, uh, we like to do it as a leftovers episode, and this is no exception, where you think of a food that you can compare – Shawshank 2 or a movie 2 that's you know reheated or is leftovers so take time to think about that Chops you're the originator of the leftovers what is Shawshank Redemption
2: I'm gonna go with broccoli cheddar soup which is actually what I had for lunch today because it heats up perfectly well there's there's really no difference between making it and sometimes it's even better and that's what this movie is it's better that you know the the next times you watch it because it's so airtight that you can't even – even when you know everything that's going to happen, you're still very invested and very interested in the story. It's robust, and it's nice and creamy goodness.
1: My wife is an exceptional cook, and she likes to make homemade pasta sauce. And to mm-hmm. me, this movie is like the next day pasta leftovers. They were quality to begin with. They're every bit as good to eat on the second you know, go through. And everything is just, like, perfectly balanced and perfectly – there's there's no complaint to be had in a meal that is subtle and well-made
2: and just perfect. And, like, the random cable viewing of Shawshank, you can have that pasta sauce any time of the day. And, it, and when is pasta bad? Like, when
0: have right. you ever
1: been like, you know what? Pasta for dinner. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, boo. You've never said that. So you guys kind of were – thinking along the lines i was i guess so i actually said i'm thinking pizza i actually had pizza left over for lunch today reheated uh i love pizza on the first go around and i love it on the, the second go around every time i see child shank i'm just as blown away by it only the second time i see it you know i know what's gonna happen with andy but just like i know the pizza is gonna be just as good as it was yesterday but yeah this, this movie blows me away just like pizza does
2: there you go There you have it. So yeah, Shawshank Redemption. Good on first viewing, second viewing, third viewing, and then on. Although if you're talking about leftovers, you probably don't want uh, year old leftovers. But as a movie, year old, it's still great. Um, So what food would you relate Shawshank Redemption to, listener? And you can reach us on Twitter nerd associate that's n-e-r-d underscore a-s-s-o-c you can also email us if you have any ideas of things you want to talk about maybe you could come on and be one of our nerds like brad was as our guest today our gmail is n-e-r-d-a-s-s-o-c at gmail.com and remember you get busy living or you get busy potting here on the nerd association podcast